welcome. You are listening to the podcast, A Resonant Life, produced by The Time Is Now Productions. I am Mike Thompson, your host and reflector-in-chief. In this podcast, we will discuss experiences and insights from living a life devoted to uncovering the authentic self and finding fulfilling purpose from the past, the present, and the future. This podcast is a product of my life and experience, and I'll share my opinions. Opinions between people are various, and we don't all need to hold the same ones. But it is fun to hear the opinions of others as it gives us an opportunity to freshen up our own. If you enjoy and gain insight from listening, please subscribe and share. If you have questions, please email them. And as always, nothing you hear here is a proscription or a prescription. It is a discussion of life and life's internal and external experiences. So let's get to it. And welcome, welcome. Thank you for listening and joining me today. And as always, a special hello and welcome to those joining for the first time. And to those of you who've been with me on this project for a while, welcome back. So with today's episode release, um, it seems I am trending to be back on track to doing one episode a week again. At least almost. I think we're at 10 days this time, right? Anyway, I'm, I'm starting to regain that balance I lost at the end of May when I started teaching a university course. And you know what? In the spirit of using the events, incidents, and reality of our lives as the material to create a path forward, I'm going to use my being out of balance of not having enough time and too much to do as our jumping off point today. Have you had periods in your life when you had too much to do, too many demands, too many responsibilities, too much to manage in the time you had available with the energy you had? I suspect most everyone at some point in their lives, right? So certainly this isn't my first time either. I've got a good friend too. She's also been experiencing this feeling um, like life is a Looney Tunes carton clock and the hands are spinning around faster and faster and faster until it explodes in a shower of springs and clock parts and cuckoo birds. And it was my talk with her and her experience that helped me to see my own situation more objectively and to see that I too had too much to do and too little time to do it. And as a result, I'd lost my balance. I'd lost my focus on positive intention. I'd lost that, that easy smile on my face that was replaced more by more of a grimace of stress, a rictus smile, kind of like, hi. Like, so, so there's just no time to smile, right? There's no time to walk slowly. There's no time to walk casually. There's no time to just sort of enjoy, to chit-chat with friends. No time, no time, no time, no time. Too much to do. With that overwhelming introduction, (laughs) 
Let's dive into our project here at A Resonant Life today. And the ultimate project being, of course, not just what we're talking about today, the ultimate project being uncovering our authentic selves and making the changes to our lives that result in more abiding happiness and joy for ourselves and for those around us. And by doing so, becoming active agents and creators of peace in this world we share. By describing my situation a moment ago as being out of balance, maybe, maybe I've skipped a few steps, kind of jumped a, a little too far ahead. Realizing I was out of balance is more the aha moment, really. But really, it starts with being stressed, right? That's where it all starts. Being stressed. I was stressed out. There really was too much to do and too little time to do it in. And this was all new stuff on top of my already busy life. I had a pretty good balance before, although busy, but balanced. Pretty good. But with my appointment to teach and the short time frame in which I had to develop the course, that, that scale that was balanced not only tipped to one end, it sort of blew up like that clock that was spinning too fast. When I think back to the feelings I was having, you know, dialing back the memory, trying to recapture those, the sensations, the memories, what was, what was going on, right? When I think back to the feelings, the physical sensations, the, the status of my mind, the image of a, a whirlwind comes up or a blizzard, a sensation of being at the mercy of rushing forces and not being able to see the path that I'm supposed to be walking, the path that I want to walk. No longer able to see the path I had the intention to walk and had been walking. And I recall kind of a, a buzzing physically, shallow breathing, faster heart rate, these are the sensations of overwhelming stress. When we're overwhelmed by stress, we, we lose the capacity and the ability to be intentional, to be present, to be available. Our, our expansive heart and mind kind of can shut down. We can lose the sense of being in control of our lives, of our emotions and reactions. We can lose our intention to be of help. Our intention to be someone others can rely upon. Like smoke, poof, it's gone. That's how powerful overwhelming stress can be. So biologically, our, our bodies tip into a fight or flight mode with endorphins and hormones flooding our brains and bodies, getting us ready, ready to fight or to flee in order to survive. And flooded with chemicals genetically evolved over millennia that helped our species survive another day, it is hard to, to reassert our intentionality, our conscious aspirations to be altruistic 
and put others first when our body is telling us we must survive. It is hard to bring our conscious spirituality or our conscious spiritually aware aspirational minds back from the overwhelming demands of the biological imperative. Think of it like this. Let's do a metaphor. When we're overwhelmed by stress, it is like being swept away in the fast current of rushing water. We're just trying to keep our heads above water to breathe while being swept along. So please, please keep this metaphor in mind because we're, we'll come back to it. We're going to come back to it a lot. And also, I, I want to clarify one thing. Overwhelming stress doesn't mean that we're not productive, that we don't get things done. Most likely, we're, we're very productive and get a ton done in the demand or activity that is causing the stress, that has tipped the balance. But we are taking care of those things at the expense of everything else. And it is the everything else that is the foundation we are trying to establish and build to generate abiding happiness to build the capacity to be of help to others, the intention to put others' needs before our own wherever possible. In the case of our rushing river analogy, we are breathing, we are keeping our heads above water, but that's about it. So now let's take a, make a quick side note, okay? Stress in and of itself isn't bad. It isn't inherently a negative state of mind or emotion. Stress can focus us, can help us to focus intensely and do things we didn't think possible to achieve more than we thought we could. But that is managed stress, focused stress. Stress is part of the balance. As you'll recall from earlier, it was a discussion with my friend that gave me my aha moments. The realization that I was out of balance and I was basically just keeping my head above water, but not much else in the way of proactively living a resident life. That conversation with her was the aha, where I realized that. That I wasn't practicing altruism wasn't working to be a person others can rely upon, a person others would miss. That, that moment was my spiritual cue, the light bulb above my head that helped me to stop, to breathe deeply, to think and reflect. And part of that reflection was taking stock kind of doing an inventory of how I intended to live, altruistically available to others, a help and support without condition or distinction, right? And I realized I was coming up very short in those things, all in the service of preparing for the class I was to teach. So stopping to reflect, to take stock, to do the inventory, what a miracle this is. The moment I did it, 
the maelstrom of being stressed out, it just subsided. At least it receded. And I was able to see clearly where I had been, where I was, and most importantly, I had the space and ease in that moment to decide where I wanted to go and how. And of course, of course, I wanted to do everything. I, I needed to complete the work for the course, the class, and it was imperative that I continue the project of living a resonant life and doing this podcast. And further reflecting, I understood that I had lost my footing. Again, think of the rushing river. I had lost my footing and slipped into that rushing water. But I could regain my footing with intentionality, being awake, conscious and intentional about how to go forward. So many things came to me in that reflection. It just took stopping, breathing deeply, and taking stock. Everything calmed down. And I want to share that with you. I want to share the reflection with you. I want to share the process that I sort of went through. So number one, number one, take the first step. Focus on that step. Start in the moment with what is in front of you. What does this mean? You have a million things to do. You have a million steps to take. You have a million roads to, to walk. You can't do any of it if you're just spinning and confused and distracted. You have to take a step. So pick one. Pick a step. Pick a thing. Pick an action. Pick it and then do it. Break everything down into steps that can be taken one after the other. Okay, this was a start. This was me trying to assert control over the maelstrom of demands. Thinking, thinking of our rushing river, this is me reaching out to grab a rock or a tree limb, to, to arrest being swept down the river in the current, to stop that, to just hold on to something. It is a stop. It doesn't get me out of the water. It doesn't get me out of the current. But at least metaphorically, it is me working to get my footing. Okay, two. Do what you can do. Or rather, I vowed to do what I could do. And this is me doing something that's very hard sometimes, but acknowledging limits and limitations and putting up some realistic boundaries around my time and energy. There's a lot of acceptance in this part of it, in this second step. I, I have to accept that I can't possibly make the perfect class curriculum. But I can make a good one, a good enough one to start. 
first step. Second step is the next semester, right? Do what I can do. First step, do as good as I can. Don't shoot for perfection. Shoot for good enough. Later, next semester, I can improve on that. I can build on the foundation I've set. Do what I can do. Acknowledge my limitations. Okay? Another metaphor. Being a shepherd comes to mind. I can't manage a flock of 20 sheep, but maybe I can manage a flock of 10. So I'll manage that flock of 10 well. I'm going to do great at managing that flock of 10. Right? Maybe later, with skill, experience, I'll be able to manage 20. But before I get to 20, maybe I'm going to do 13, then 16, right? Build. So in terms of our, our rushing river, it is um, a lot of metaphors here today. In terms of our rushing river, it, 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 it is like using that stone or the branch that you're holding on to to regain some footing and, it, and then get a clearer sense of where the shore is. If, if you're not being swept along and trying to just treading water, trying to breathe, if you're stopped, then you can actually kind of prop yourself up and look around, right? Check out where you are. Where, what are the opportunities, right? Where's the shore? Where are the stepping stones to how I might get to that shore? This, this step is another aspect of breaking things down into steps into bites, into manageable things you can do. And keep in mind, be flexible. Sometimes you need to adjust and reschedule a bit, right? Adjust, adjust, be flexible. Don't do things in stone. Break it down, take the step. If it's still not working, break it down again, try again. Okay, that was two. Number three, open our hearts. See with our hearts, not our heads. This is a reminder that when we approach everything from a human-centered perspective, we miss the opportunities for spiritual growth, insight, and intuition that, that are always around us. Doing this resulted, for me, it resulted in a feeling like the sun coming out from behind the clouds or, or like a fog lifting and suddenly I can see to the horizon and I could see the path I intended to walk that I had been walking, but the path that had been hidden by the maelstrom of stress. A river metaphor again. Let's say I could see a boat, a nice canoe I could use to navigate the rushing river, right? That's the third step. Taking stock, looking around, checking out the environment, seeing what's around you so that you can figure out what to do next and how to regain balance. Okay, there's a fourth step. Four, act on it. Do something for someone else. Literally, it is about not focusing on me or you not focusing on you. It is about focusing on others. 
We've talked about this every episode, that the key, the magic, the secret sauce, the power lies in not taking care here and putting here first, ourselves first, doing something concrete, helpful, kind, generous for others. What does this do? This breaks the feedback loop. It is reaching outside of the human context. Because the human context is biological. It's survival, fight or flight. It's take care of myself. That's the human context. Reaching outside of it, it's leading with the heart, not the head. Doing something for others is using the heart and not the head. And this step gets us back on the path. Got me back on the path of trying to live a resonant life consciously and with intentionality. A river again. Acting for others. This was me getting in that canoe that I saw and paddling over to help someone else who's also stuck in the river trying to breathe. Can't do anything but try to survive. I, going through these steps, am able to then help others. And with this step, I could feel that I was breathing slowly and deeply again, not shallowly. The breath, the breath is an amazing indicator of, of where our hearts and our minds are. Shallow and fast, we're closing down. We're stressed. We're narrowing. Slow and deep, we're expansive, open, and able to be infinitely helpful, loving, and kind. Okay, a lot of metaphors, a lot of analogies kind of throughout those four steps. So let's recap in short, <laughs> short digestible statements, okay? Step one, take one small step. Do what you can do. Open your hearts. Take concrete action, okay? One more time, a little more meat on them this time. Number one, take one small step. Focus on doing this one step, okay? Two, do what you can do. Acknowledge and accept limitations. And renegotiate where you need to renegotiate. Three, open our hearts. Look to see how we can help others. Look to see who around us needs help. A kind word. Open our hearts. Four, take the concrete action to actually help. Make thought a reality. Make intention action. And now, this is where the magic happens. If we get this far, wonderful things will happen. What are they? Well, there, there are two sides to overwhelming stress, right? There is our own overwhelming stress, which we've now got some ideas and strategies to handle, to tame. But there is the overwhelming stress we see others go through. Having the insight of knowing our own, now we can spot it when others are going through it. Family, relatives, friends, colleagues. We can see it more clearly, objectively in others, and then we can gently step in to help them slow down 
breathe and find their own path forward. Let's revisit our river metaphor again. This is us in that canoe, paddling down and up the rushing river, paddling all over, helping others who are foundering and swept away. This is us using our superpower to help others. Our own recovery, our own regaining of balance, that process becomes an ability to help others skillfully and with wisdom and compassion. Our own recovery becomes an ability, a skill, a superpower, like I said, to help others skillfully and with wisdom and compassion. I said that twice because I really mean it. You may be wondering where the Buddhism is in all of this, right? This is a Buddhist-informed podcast after all. So where's the Buddhism? Well, all of this, everything we're discussing and going over and learning, this is Buddhism, but it's it's cast in a contemporary light from a modern perspective. We're using the stuff of our world and our experiences and our lives to ultimately become enlightened, just as the Buddha did. After all, what did the Buddha, Prince Siddhartha, before he became enlightened, what did he do to become a Buddha, to become enlightened, to uncover his authentic self? He used the experiences of his own life to uncover insight and wisdom with the goal of ending suffering in the world. He used the experiences of his life to uncover his authentic self. He's the progenitor of living a resonant life. We can do this. We can do what Prince Siddhartha did. And we can be forces of joy, peace, and abiding happiness if we, if we set our hearts and minds and intention on doing just that. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today and uh, listening through my multiple metaphors. Isn't it wonderful that uh, that we can do this? I mean, I truly appreciate all of you who are listening and watching and making efforts to become altruistic actors in your worlds. Your good, positive, kind actions touch everyone, everywhere. So let's continue to walk this path together. I look forward to our next episode as we continue to uncover and discover our authentic selves. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe and share. If you'd like to share your own experience, thoughts, or ask a question, please send an email to mike at resonant.social. With gratitude, theme music is courtesy of Stock Audios, distributed by Pixabay. A Resident Life is a podcast from the Time Is Now Productions.